Oh, it's good. Hello again, welcome, etc., etc. All right. Ah, I really struggled for what to what to speak on today, and uh, and I was getting to that point where well, I, what I was really glad is that I had Sunday morning. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't. Maybe I'm a procrastinator, and I will certainly search my that. But I do find like weeks just get busy, and there was a lot getting done, setting up, getting things ready for here. Um, the other thing, if someone could turn off the heaters, would be fantastic, because we've all been playing drums for the last 45 minutes, so we're a bit hot. Um, yep, but it's normally Saturday night that I that everything finally gets put on paper. But this, man, I think it's just, there is just so much noise going on at the moment. And so even like, I just really feel like my head is just full of noise and, um, you know, just what's everything that's happening all around the world. And, um, and we are a global, uh, globally connected people, at least communication and all of that sort of stuff. And so I've realized, man, I just need to tune out from that stuff a bit more because God is saying things and they may align with what's happening in the world, and they may not, but either way, I wanna hear his voice. And, um, but I feel like just to share a little bit about um, this uh, season that we've come out of, and we really did feel like for us personally and for the church globally, it was a bit of a reset kind of season. Uh, and uh, just the other week I was thinking about with, um, uh, you know, computers, and sometimes it gets to that point, less these days, but still can be the case, even sometimes with your phone, and you realize, uh, I think I just need to do a bit of a reset, because uh, things are kind of slowing down and getting bogged down in unnecessary activity uh, and programs and, uh, and the like. I'm uh, just going to... Turn that off in there and it's better. No, I'm not echoing in the back of my head. All those techie people. If I can control the sound desk and I control the lights and all that from my iPad. Kelvin gave me a pencil on Friday. One of the best things I've ever got. And I, I literally texted him this morning because I'm like, no one else is going to understand. Uh, what this means, but uh, we were, I was helping him put some of the lights on the outside wall. Hey, I'm sure I should, I should have it with me, but I left it home because I didn't want to lose it. I do a lot of hands-on stuff at home, a lot of building, and I just love creating in that way, and, uh, and working with pencils, marking timber and that sort of stuff. You always, you've got to have a pencil, dismounted, no, and, uh, and then they've got carpenter's pencils, which are kind of like rectangular, and the problem with that is that they don't sit in your ear, you know, thing. And so then you've got to put it in your pocket and you're always and you're finding it and you put it down somewhere or whatever. And then say, Kelvin's here on Friday. And then he pulls out this pencil and it's like a, uh, like a paste of pencil, click, click one. But it's got a super fat lead in it. And it's got a little holder with a clip on it. So it clips onto your belt, on the pants, and you just slot it in, pull it out. I'm like, it's got a sharpener on it. Dude. You're blowing my mind. That's the one thing I'm thinking, oh, it'd be good if I had a sharpener. Ugh. More things, I'm just excited to get home now. But I'm there, I'm marking out these timbers for this fence for our little duck yard, and, uh, and I'm just like, this is, every time I pick it up, this is amazing, so there you go. The things that excite me, 
Now you know, next birthday, gonna get a bunch of pencils, yes. There is no point to that story, right? I apologize. Um, yep, no, it was, it was my microphone was booming through the fallback wedges, and so I thought I'll turn that down, then I just went on a tangent from there, but uh, I'm sure there's some, I, if I thought about it, if I felt, if I thought that you needed that, I would have come up with something, but, uh, but I was hoping you'd just enjoy hearing me talk, because it's been so long. Um, so. Got one of those, buddy. Total waste of money. I've used it like five times, but it's still, I've got, I just need all of the Apple products, you know? So, that's what they say, apostolic, they call it. Um, (laughs) It wasn't my joke, but I'll milk it. Uh, This is what happens. This is, see, this is a Sunday afternoon. This is what you're going to get. It's all that's left. So what I was saying is when it comes to a computer, electronic, oftentimes they get kind of bogged down in lots of unnecessary processes, okay? I'm not a computery type person. I like technology. I'm just not good with all the background of computers, but I understand that. And I understand if you ring up the IT department, they'll tell you, have you, tr- have you turned it off and turned it on again? Because literally 99% of the time that fixes it. Because sometimes things just get bogged down. And again, there's there lots of things. If you're on a computer, there's programs that you've opened it's things that you've probably initiated. I can't list their viruses and then that's another thing. But, uh, but you know, they're, 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 there's processes, but as you've kind of, what you think you've closed down the interface, but it's still kind of operating in the background, taking up energy, taking up resource, and there is a limited amount of resource that a computer has in the same way there's a limited amount of resource that we as people have. So what a, a restart does, a reset shuts everything down and then boots back up again, only wanting to utilize that which you want to be operating in that time, at that moment. Yes, so for, I I think for us and for the church globally, it certainly has been a time of just pulling back and just resetting, And, and so now as we come back on, as things start to boot up again, we are wanting to diligently ask the question, Lord, what do you want us to open up? What programs do you want us to run? Not that we run programs, but in the you know, analogy of computer type things. What are, we, what are you wanting us to launch? What are you wanting us to continue to have operating that is the best use of our time and energy, of our CPU? RAM. <laughs> Just trying to fit in. <laughs> Um, in the prayer room on Wednesday, uh, I, I, was, I was in the prayer room, uh, Andrew and Rachel were, were leading their prayer time and I was just in prayer and I just saw, um, you know, in the spirit, in my imagination, uh, lots of cogs turning, big cogs and, uh, and that, it was almost like I saw a few cogs before me and then you realize whatever, whenever you see a cog spinning, there's something else that's driving that essentially, and, uh, and I just saw myself, I felt like it was an intercession thing, I was just reaching out and just jamming my hand onto the cogs and boom and shutting, and then I, and I realized, well, this cog is connected to something and it's all this long line and uh, it was just stuff like the shuttering of the, of the stopping of these things, but I felt like it was an, an intercession act, and it came, I think it's got even something to do with what's, everything that's kind of swirling around. Anyone felt swirling 
other moment, just in prayer in your life, lots of swirling. Yeah, there you go. You're welcome. Um, but it was something that was like, and I felt like, yeah, there's going to be a shuddering that's going to come as these things. It's like a whole big machine all of a sudden comes to a grinding halt. Um, but there was something, and the acknowledgement that even things that we see that are operating before us are connected to other things that aren't necessarily good and holy and righteous. And so the, the importance of us coming with discernment to know what do we put our hand to, what do we allow to be operating here, because not everything that looks good on the surface is, is from a good place. And I think that applies to anything that we're engaging with individually, personally, uh, you know, locally, globally, all of those sorts of things. We need to have discernment. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll chat about that at the end. But um, so that's, anyway, that's what's been happening with me. Um, it was weird, like we, we pulled back, we shut down the office for a, for a while, um, we, we stopped having kind of corporate gatherings, we stood at the live stream thing, but even that was just a lot different. It was kind of rocked up, did worship, preached, and then we're like, okay, see you later, and, uh, and, and went home. It was just a different kind of uh, season, but a real intentional just pulling back and letting things just settle down and stop. We stopped doing greenhouse, all of that sort of thing. And in that time, I find for me personally, whenever I go on holidays or I have a, a large break, um, it's, it takes a bit of time to wind down, but then naturally in me, I, I feel this thing is like they start to wind back up again and it gets exciting and momentum starts to build and you start to dream and you start to, then now you're out of the business, you start to look at what's most important and what's most significant. You go like, yeah, that's, yeah, this thing needs to change or this thing needs to be put in place and now we need to do this thing differently. And it was hard being in a place because we felt like God was saying, don't do that. Just stay in the rest. Stay in the stopping, stay in the don't move. And so there was even a wrestle for a lot of us. And I know picking up words prophetically, there was this sense of like, yeah, okay, right, we're, we're, we're heading out of this thing, Lord. We're coming out of this shutdown. We're coming out of this, you know, um, global pandemic kind of thing. You start getting excited, but it was still the Lord just saying, just, just chill. It's okay, just rest. I'm, I'm doing things. And, uh, and it is important that we let God stop what he wants to stop. Uh, there's a scripture that says, you know, unless a, a seed falls to the ground and, and, and dies, essentially, it can't then produce that new life. There is something of things that's being fallen down. And if we let go of everything, then it allows the Lord to say, and now pick that back up again and pick that back up again. And so I, I think it's important for us individually, personally, and then corporately as a community that we're asking those sorts of questions. Now, for you, you might have come and gone, I have been busier than I've ever been. And I know there's people that it's like, you know, the, the shutdown of, of society with the coronavirus was the opposite for them. You know, everything kind of went through the roof. And so I apologize to you, this is irrelevant, but um, uh, not really. But there's still in that, there's still things where you start to, even then in the height of busyness, you start to realize what's most important because the things that you like enjoyed or you felt like a priority then start to get pushed aside with busyness. And then you start to realize, actually, this is not, this is not enjoyable anymore because I'm busy doing a whole lot of things that aren't actually all, of, all that meaningful. Or sometimes they're good things, they're just not God things. And that is oftentimes the nature of idolatry. Idolatry is when good things become God things. And that's why sometimes it's hard to catch idolatry is because the thing that we are giving all of our time and energy and attention to is a good thing. It's just not God or a God thing, what he is doing. 
So coming into this new season, we feel like there's a couple of things that God has highlighted at this stage that we, that we need to uh, in, be investing our energy into and developing our culture around. They're not necessarily new things, might not blow your mind, um, but we're aware that um, we're wanting to prioritize what God is prioritizing. And that's what we wanna do as a community. Now, it doesn't mean that if I say, hey, this is what we feel corporately, that you then don't do anything that God has called you to do. That's not the point. We're not like, okay, I'm just sitting around waiting for Brad to tell me what to do with my life. If you're in that situation, please come and talk to us and we'll help you to find your identity with Christ. We'll help you to learn the voice of God, that you are a powerful, wonderful person with a destiny that is not up to me to help you to, you know, to point you in the direction of, you know, but sometimes we get that in kind of church life. We're like, okay, what's happening, church? What's happening in ministry? Hey, Amen. Um, you know, what's like, where, where are we going here? You know, and, uh, and sometimes where we, we actually, because we haven't learned what it is to, uh, to do. Amy was praying. I heard you praying in the before gathering prayer time and you're talking about taking up. Did you see that prophetic word that I shared? So just this morning, there was a prophetic word that I spoke one year ago today up in the chapel and, uh, and it was all around uh, taking up your own sword, picking up your own plow and not leaning into other people's stuff. So that was cool. It's just another time where God's just like, all right, now it's time for you to take up your plow. Stop leaning into someone else's revelation. Stop leaning into someone else's energy, someone else's faith. But we can do that. And it's important that as a corporate people that we, are, that we understand like, man, I just need to lean into your faith right now because mine's lacking, or man, I need, to, I, I need some of your energy right now. I need you to, can you help? And we say, yeah, we love to, to journey with one another. When someone is wounded, they're not left behind, but they're carried through, they're supported, they're encouraged. You know, When one's running ahead, they, they, there's a grace and a power, so we, we lean into each other in that way. But if we live in that kind of place, that's not helpful, and it's not healthy, and we become a victim or we become kind of lethargic in God and we, and we don't grow in maturity because we don't build our own muscles. We're always, we're kind of splintered by other people. All right. I was hoping that the Holy Spirit would say something this morning because I didn't have a lot to say. So you're welcome, Holy Spirit, to show up anytime. Um, one of the, uh, so we are, we love the fivefold ministry. If you don't know the fivefold ministry, it's Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, three to 16, if you wanna read that whole thing. But essentially it's where Jesus, um, well, Paul talks about Jesus giving uh, five gift sets to the church. Now, again, my understanding, there are five attributes of Christ. So the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the shepherding, and the teacher, okay? So Jesus is all of those five. He is the ultimate of all of those five. But Jesus gave the apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to uh, equip the body for the work that he had for them to do. And it's ultimately all about becoming more like Jesus. So the fivefold ministry is Jesus, the one, gives the five so that the many can come into oneness with the one. The end game of the fivefold ministry is not so that you'd be a great apostle or you'd learn to prophesy or whatever, is that you'd become more like Jesus. Okay, that's the goal of our, of our church is that God would be glorified and you would look more like Jesus next year than you did this year because that's how he is glorified. He's glorified when he looks, when you look like him, he gets the glory. He loves people that look like him. But part of that fivefold ministry is the apostolic 
okay? It's the Greek word apostolos. It's what we sometimes translate as, as mission, but essentially it means the sent one. So an apostle was a sent one, and the Roman word had to do with um, cultural shaping of a new region. So they would send out the apostle ship to it. So as Rome would conquer a new land, the intent wasn't to say, hey, we've conquered a new land. Let's take on the culture of this people that we've conquered and they can teach us things and we can learn things and we can look just like the people. The, the, the understanding was, no, this place is going to look like Rome. So they brought in their culture, their statues, their worship, and they wiped out all of the other cultures that were there. Okay, but it's to understand that that's part of the kingdom of God coming. It's not just that Jesus came to rescue people out of the earth and take them up to heaven. It's he came to bring heaven to earth. And that comes through that apostolic flow where the culture of the kingdom overrides the culture of the earth. Now, there are oftentimes similarities and things that, that work together. It's not saying there's nothing in the world that is of any good and only Jesus is good and only the kingdom is good, so we're just gonna come in and override everything. No, the kingdom is already present. The values of God are there from history. They're inherent in people because people are made in the image of God. Christian or not, people are made in the image of God. So inherently within them, there is goodness, there is the nature of the Father within people. So there's lots of good things that happen in the earth. So it's not like the church is coming in, you guys don't know nothing, we know everything, you need to stop what you're doing and do what we're doing because we've got all the answers, okay? There's lots of amazing, brilliant people that would not say that Jesus is Lord but do creative, wonderful things because they are made in the image of a creator God. So we don't, it's, that's not, it's not this um, kind of dominion thing where it's the church is there to take over. When Jesus speaks of the kingdom coming, he speaks of leaven being kneaded into dough. It's the culture of the kingdom being woven in. And so absolutely, we want people to meet Jesus and come to uh, you know, a, a loving recognition that he is Lord and, and salvation and eternal life with him. We want all of those things, but there's this other huge, massive dynamic, which is the kingdom of God, the culture of heaven being established on the earth. And that's what Jesus calls all of us to. But it is primarily um, kind of uh, put into order by that apostolic kind of Thingy. <laughs> it's, the, it's the apostolic that brings that thrust. It's that part of the nature of Christ which really thrusts us to live as sent ones. That we Again, we're not here so much about establishing our home, we're to just establish his home on the earth. And part of that apostolic, an apostolic environment, an apostolic culture in the church is empowering and equipping the saints. Empowering and equipping people to do the work that God has for them. And we do that work from rest. We do that work yielded to him. We do that work by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do that work in, in submission to Christ as Lord. But there is still something where we have a role as a community to empower one another, to encourage one another, to exhort one another, to bless and to get behind one another and say, yes, that's awesome, God. That's a God idea and we are so for it and we are with you. And again, this is something that you'll find maybe different to our culture is that we're not going to, at a leadership level, at a core leadership level, establish a whole lot of things for you to do. There are always things to do in a family. If you live in a household, you'll recognize that there's, there's roles, there's just things that gotta happen. 
You know, the bins have got to get emptied and, you know, things have got to be done around the place. So there's always that sort of stuff and we love and we encourage you to chip in as part of family to do those sorts of things, okay? To, to you know, to join the worship team. Andrew and I in particular would really appreciate that. Um, you know, if you know the drum, like, and, and it's, it's good, just put your hand up. The kids team, we'd love for your help. <laughs> In, those, in these areas, okay? But there are also, there's, there's also a calling on your life. There'll be passions that the Lord will put in your heart that you'll feel like, this is God, this is the destiny for my life. And again, we wanna help you to do that. And the prophetic role is part of that, is igniting and saying, this is who you are and this is who God is calling you to, to be in the world. This is what he is calling you to do. And so there's this empowerment part and we wanna have that in our culture where people come in, they feel empowered. They feel like, man, I could change the world. And with Jesus, you absolutely can. We absolutely believe that. But there's empowering and there's also then equipping. And that's again the role of the fivefold ministry. So what is this word equip? It's the word katatizo. It's not Italian, but it's, uh, well, it's close, it's Greek, you know, it's near that. But um, it's, it's, that's the word, and uh, the, uh, I'll, I'll give you some um, of its usage. Uh, it says, uh, to render f- or to fit, to make sound, to make complete, to mend something that is broken or torn, to repair, to complete, to fit out, to put in order, to arrange, to adjust, to fit or frame for oneself, to prepare. Ethically, it's to strengthen, perfect, complete, to make one what he ought to be. So that is the word katatizo in the Greek that we translate in our English as equip. So Jesus gave the apostle prophet evangelist and teacher to equip, to katatizo, the word. But this is what it it's, can be used um, and they use that word to like in, in resetting bones, almost like a chiropractic adjustment. That's what it means. So we can think of equip as in like, here's a whole lot of tools and dumping it on someone. But the word means more about bringing into alignment that which is already there. If you break your arm, generally they don't just take out the broken bone and put in a new bone. Usually they, they repair what is already there. They reset those things. Again, you got, oh, you know, popped out a, you know, a, a something in my back. You don't go there and say, ah, oh, cool, we'll just give you a new back. Um, I'm sure the day will come when that'll happen, but it's probably a lot more traumatic to give you a new back than it is just to put back into alignment the one you've already got. So this is, again, the role of the fivefold ministry is to reset, to put things in place and to put things in order. And this is where there's a... um, Someone asked me the question the other week about um, how do you manage having a, a community and a culture that empowers people, but also one that focuses on, in on people's character and, and, and their heart and being safe people and all those sorts of things. And my answer was, it's really, really difficult. Uh, it's very hard to do that. Um, and again, I think as a, as a, when you view the church from a parental perspective, not that people are little babies and children, but you love, like a parent loves a child, you say, I want you to be the best version that you could ever be. But in order to be the fullness of who God created you to be, there's some things that have got to be left behind and there's some things that have got to come to life. In the same way when Jesus calls you to follow him, he doesn't say, you know what, 
the whole like, you know, being crucified with me and raising the, let's not forget, let's just forget about that. Just leave everything that shouldn't be alive. We'll just leave it alive and we'll just add, add a bit of Jesus to it. Doesn't work that way. He's like, no, no, you need to die. Then you need to be resurrected and every good thing in you, I'm going to resurrect and I'm gonna put a new heart in you and my spirit's gonna come and dwell in you and all of that sort of stuff. So there is this process in the Christian life of things dying and every, anything that God brings to death is always so that he can bring things to life. If you feel like your Christian walk is death after death after death, you've missed the resurrection part. And sometimes we resist that death part. Like, oh, I don't wanna give it up and what's gonna be on the other side? Life is on the other side. Anything that God calls you to give up is because he's got something far better for you on the other side. But that's part of that process. And so journeying with people, it's like, man, someone's like, I wanna change the world. And it's like, and I believe you can, but maybe before you do, Let's, let's talk about some things. If we empower people without equipping them, then we're potentially setting them up to fail. I know environments, even in church environments, and I, and I, I discern, I feel like maybe that's because you know, if a leader comes out of a, an oppressive environment, then they come into a new environment, and if they plant a church in particular, then they're like, everyone could just do everything. I'm gonna to preach today, oh, I wanna preach, oh, you can get up and preach, and, and just people are empowered in lots of ways, but they're given responsibility that they can't handle. And they end up doing damage to themselves or to other people. If I see like performance in someone, like I wanna join the team, it's like, but it feels like because they wanna perform, I'm like, That's, it's not gonna do you any good to be given a platform and for your pride to manifest and for you to come crashing down to the ground. It wouldn't be loving. That would be me building something on your broken life. That's kind of using people. And I hate to say that, I've just seen too often in the church where people, broken people, have been used to build the church. Now, I mean broken like we're all broken. We're all being mended. We're all being healed. No one is perfect here. Amy uses the phrase, and, and I believe it, that we're like loaves and fishes. And I always wanna be a loaves and fishes church because that means that Jesus has to perform a miracle. But it's only when he does miracles that anything of, of any eternal significance happens. If, he's, if Jesus isn't performing miracles, then, then we, are, we have become far too competent, but we are not accomplishing anything. Because it's only what he wants to accomplish, it should be accomplished. I wanna stay in this place of dependency. This is where I was in the shower this morning. I'm thinking like, Lord, what am I gonna say today? And I'm like, it's just, I, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. You gotta speak, because literally sometimes I, can, I think of stuff and I trust that he's talking to me early on, but sometimes he kind of leaves it. Are you gonna trust me? Here I am. Part of me is like, Ooh, someone else can talk. But to stay in that place of dependency, it means he has to show up. And that's a really good place for us to be in. So we, we, we wanna empower but also equip. And this is the issue, if we equip people without empowering them, then, we, then the danger is they become just inwardly focused and they get all of this input, all of this internal work, but there's no unto. It's like, well, there's, I don't know, I, I, we're challenging on that so that you can be that and do that and be amazing and awesome and all the things that God has for you. So there's a danger on both ends that we spend too much time just getting everything in order. It's like, oh, I feel I'm perfected now. 
I'm not accomplishing anything, but I feel really good. And I remember speaking, it was up in the chapel probably a year or so ago, but um, where, you know, there's a danger then even of doing the sanctification journey of, of becoming like Jesus. That's a really, really good thing. But we can make an idol out of it or we can focus in and we say, I want to be more like Jesus so then I can just alleviate the guilt that I live with or I can just feel more peaceful and becomes like a selfishly motivated thing. It's like, no, I want to be like you, Jesus, because I want to do everything that you did. I want to be everything that you are calling me to be. I want to honor you with every part of my life, but it takes a process. We want to empower people with what burns in their hearts. We want to empower people with what burns in their hearts. Like this, this just ignites my heart and it's a God thing because sometimes ungodly things can ignite our hearts. But you just know when someone's on, they're like, man, I just have a passion for this. And you're like, that is so God and I'm so excited for you. And I want to empower you with what burns in your heart. But we also want to equip you so you don't self-combust. Or burn those that are around you. So I've got this thing burning in my heart. It's like, awesome. I just don't want you to catch on fire, you know? Because if there's flesh around it, if there's a whole lot of chaff, there's a whole lot of combustible material in your life, eventually you're going to burn or you're going to burn those around you. And I hate to tell you, and I, I don't want to prophesy this over any church or ministry, but you just see it time and time again. Amazingly gifted people doing amazing things, and yet something will bring them unstuck. And you gotta say, who was journeying with them? Who knew their heart? Who were they sharing those struggles with? Because we all have struggles, like we're all, but it's, it's, am I taking responsibility for those struggles? Am I living in community and accountability so that someone knows where I'm struggling? Someone knows the, the, the things that I keep hitting up against. Because if we're waiting for perfection, then none of us is gonna be ready to do anything for Jesus. But we don't wanna just throw that and say, oh, it doesn't really matter, because it absolutely matters. And oftentimes from one season to the next, what didn't matter now really matters. Because in that season, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't have affected you. But I'm bringing, I'm promoting you. When the Lord promotes you, he, all of those things that were hidden are now can be out in the open and they become targets for the enemy because guess what the enemy wants? Jesus wants you to live an abundant life and the enemy wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy everything around you and everything in you. We don't want to be, again, just telling everyone, or oh, just do this and do this. It's, it's, God has a, a destiny for your life. And I believe that we are individual and we are corporate. It's important that we're going to get caught up in thinking, well, it's just all about my destiny. No, it's all about God's destiny. And God's destiny is always corporate. There's always a corporate dynamic to it. If we're listening to the Holy Spirit, He's going to lead us all together in this journey. But again, sometimes it's like, what, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What do you have for my life? What do you want, what do you want me to do? So I don't want to live someone else's journey. And I don't want to sit around for, waiting for someone to tell me what to do. I want you to tell me what to do, Jesus. I don't just want to kind of work my job and do my stuff. And it's like, what do, you, what do you got for me, Jesus? What do you want for me, Jesus? And this is the thing where sometimes in, in an environment like this, it, it, can, it can feel like there's just this constant thing of like, okay, you got to deal with your stuff, deal with your stuff, deal with your stuff. I get it. I understand. I know, but I feel like that's what Jesus was about. Like he cared about those things. 
you know, if you think about, well, with Jesus, was Jesus about the heart journey? Did Jesus care about the heart? Did Jesus care about sanctification? Well, I asked myself the question. I said, myself, what is the answer? And he said, look in the Bible. I said, that's a great idea. So I did. And I looked in one book of the Bible, in the book of Matthew. These are not all the references, these are just some. But was Jesus about the heart? We said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, 8. Matthew 5, 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is where Jesus talked about. It's not about your actions, about what happens in the heart. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's saying, store up treasures for yourself in heaven because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's important that your heart is in the right place is what Jesus is saying. Matthew 9, 4, but Jesus knowing their thoughts said, why do you think evil in your hearts? So Jesus is discerning as he's interacting with people. You're not saying it, but I see what's in your heart. Matthew 12, 33 to 35, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So again, the gospel is seeded into people's hearts. But if there's not understanding, then the enemy comes and takes it away. Matthew 15, 7, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of, of you when he said, this people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You could be worshipping and declaring all of these great and wondrous things. Jesus, you are Lord. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not. Not in here, I'm not. So just stop saying it. You're better off to, to, to speak out, Jesus, I recognise that you are not Lord in my heart. That is acceptable worship to the Father. That is a more acceptable worship because it's honest, it's real. And then Jesus, we've got something to work with. The disciples said, Jesus, we believe, help our unbelief. So there's something in me that says, I, I, know, I know that that's true, and yet it's just not in me. And I want it, it's got to be in me. Otherwise, I'm just fooling myself. I'm certainly not fooling God. It's an Old Testament scripture, but it talks about, you know, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So he sees it. Matthew 15, 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. It flows from the heart and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. He goes on, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. What is in the heart defiles a person. It's not even action. It's not what you do. It's what's in your heart. Matthew 18, 32, just sorry if I'm, just proving a point here. The master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is words of Jesus talking about what the father's gonna do to you if you don't forgive somebody from your heart. Oh, but Jesus, he's just nice and lovely and meek and mild and strikes the lamb. He would never do that. This is New Testament theology. But again, to forgive from the heart. So it's not just even coming off your mouth. It's that you know, do I even know what's going on in there? And then I realize what's going on in there. I don't, I haven't forgiven in there. I've said the words have come out of my mouth. But like worship that doesn't match up with my heart, words that don't match up with my heart is the same thing. Matthew 19, 8. And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart. Moses allowed you to divorce your wife, but from the beginning it was not so. Because of hardness of heart. So even God looks at, in the old covenant, he said, you guys have got hard hearts. The spirit, I'm not gonna pour out my spirit until after Jesus goes, so you can't even know. So I'm gonna, I'll put some rules around you to help you. But hardness of heart. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. This is the the ultimate one. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now again, it's not, it even says there, Paul talks about in Romans, all about the renewing of the mind. So absolutely our mind, but our thoughts and our heart are connected. But what we know in our mind and what we believe in our hearts, those two things are incredibly important to work together. Okay, Your, your soul, your desire set, your will, all of those things working together are incredibly important. But just to know that Jesus is interested in your heart. This is not our idea. Sanctification, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have thought of it because sometimes it's not fun. The other side of it is fun. The freedom from sin, that's fun. Everyone loves that. The recognition, the remorse, the repentance, the, the revealing, that bit's less fun. But we do it because we know what's on the other side. More of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So again, to, to understand that in this environment that we are in, I think part of it is, is what's so important is that you know that our heart is to empower you, but connected in with that is the role of equipping. So if you want to say, if you say, I want to change the world, I'm like, awesome let us help you let your life up your community help you to be a world changer and part of that is we want you to set the world on fire with holy fire because holy fire purifies it brings life but all the other fires is going to bring destruction and death and i've just seen it happen too many times and that's the thing it it could feel like oh i'm just i'm not allowed to do something i'm not at all it's because you love that someone's willing. It's, you know, when we talk about confrontation, it's like sometimes people, they don't get confronted about things and they come into an environment and someone confronts them and it's like the person that confronted them is the bad guy. So, like, well, I've just cared enough about you to say what so many people have thought and they haven't cared enough about you to say it to you. And you're like, oh, boom, now you get, you know. I use the example, it's like if a doctor diagnoses someone with cancer. It's not the doctor's fault. Oh, great. Thanks, doc. Five minutes ago before I came in, I just had a bit of pain. Now I've got 
Cancer. Oh, thanks a lot, doctor. What am I going to do now? Okay. Well, the doctor's like, well, I, you need to know that there's something here that's going to kill you. But don't, you're not, I'm not going to see, see you next time. <laughs> but it's like, so we're going to journey together and we're going to, we're going to deal with this sucker so that you don't die from this thing. We're going to remove it. We're going to heal it. We're going to restore it. Whatever needs to happen, you go in with a, with a you know, I just, my arm's a bit in pain. Oh, that's because there's a bone sticking through the skin. Yeah, that's not good. Oh, I didn't notice. Why has no one ever told me? Oh, thanks, Doc. Thanks for diagnosing me. Oh, I'll be off this. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't go anywhere. Don't get offended with me because I've pointed out you've got bones sticking through your skin. But let's come in and let's do, we'll do a journey together. I'm going to put you in touch with some great people. Um, there's some specialists and there's going to be, and your friends and your, and your house. Everyone's just going to, we're all going to get together and we're going to help you to journey so that this bone can be put back inside the skin and reset and healed and you'll have all of that movement. The pain's going to be gone. Life's going to come back again. Amen. It's really tough sometimes being that person because she's like, oh, what is the point? Like, just go and, go and sin then and make a mess of your life. But you don't think that because you want to have the heart of God. But sometimes the little thought pops into your brain. <laughs> and they go, oh, I'm sorry I'm making your life so hard by pointing out the things that are going to kill you one day. Sorry, or destroy your relationships or your family or your marriage. Sorry. So that's one part, <laughs> one thing. There are only five left. No, not really. Um, the other thing we've been talking about is, uh, is uh, really establishing and focusing in on developing a strong discipleship culture, but in a way that is, um, uh, and don't hear this in the ooh kind of way, but like structured and formalized and intentional so that everybody gets discipled in this community because Jesus' heart is that everyone would be discipled. He, he calls us to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to obey all of them, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And so he calls us to make disciples. And so that is that we go out and we make disciples of Jesus. So as he made disciples of his own disciples, he made them disciple makers. That's always the flow on effect of disciple making. It's not just that I receive, but then I get to give to others so that they can receive. That is how discipleship works. I I've, I've absolutely know that we have a discipleship culture in this community. And, and some of the stuff that I used, really our foundation was built on a lot of those things. But I think it, it went from being very structured and intentional then to being organic because we learned the culture. But then as the community has grown, we've maybe lost some of that intentionality so that we disciple, I mean, I, I, I'm just can think of all the people that I interact with and there's discipleship happening. We're helping people to grow in Christ and to learn and be healed and all of that sort of stuff. But if it's, if, it might be my culture, but if it's not your culture or someone else's culture, then people can slip through the cracks and they, we can get into a framework or, a, or a, a mindset that the Christian life is just to kind of about doing this and then doing that and then doing that and then kind of going home again and, uh, and, and just about kind of doing activities, not being transformed to look like Jesus. 
And yet that's his heart, that's his ministry, that's his intent, is that we'd become like him. But it requires then some sort of intentional to say, well, okay, you, can you disciple someone or can you guys get together, disciple each other? And again, it's not about, I think in leadership and I think in equipping and empowering and doing life on life and all that sort of stuff, it just flows naturally. I love having deeper deep conversations with people. I, I kind of struggle a bit with shallow conversations. I'll, I'll have grace for them, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just like to talk about real stuff and heart things and you know, get into the deeper things. And so might be why some of you don't talk to me, that's okay. Um, but uh, we're, we're both winning, it's all right. Um, <laughs> and so, I'm sorry. I'm just joking, just having a bit of fun. I love you all. Um, but in that, and again, we can then go, and I can share, and, and the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I think that's really important. But it's, if you're only following someone as they follow Christ, and you're not following Jesus for yourself, there's a problem. Okay? And so again, we wanna make sure that in our discipleship culture that we are centering around Christ. Because when we do... Um, when we share life together and someone says, hey, I've got a problem and do you have some advice? And I can say, well, this is what Jesus might say or how about try this and this is what I've done in the past. And we kind of give advice and that's helpful, okay? But the things that Jesus calls us to do, I would not want someone, I would not be telling someone to do because Brad's told them to do it, okay? Like loving your enemy as an example, I feel like that requires Jesus to tell that to you. I mean, he says it, but in a, in a moment, in an environment, and say, oh, well, Brad's told me I've got to go love my enemies. Well, number one, you, you can't do that on your own, okay? You just can't conjure up the will inside of you. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. He will empower you to do that. So again, if we're doing it, we're just listening to people and not coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, what would you call me to do in this situation? And someone can help you to see him, but it's really gotta be that thing is like, I can deal with you know, the stuff that's tripping me up, but to go forward in him, it's, it's gotta be Jesus calling me to do stuff. Because then he's the one that I'll blame. <laughs> You know, but it's him, and he is the one that's going to empower me. And I think sometimes there's a, in, in organic kind of the flow of relationship that we go, oh man, this person, they've got wisdom, they've got understanding, they absolutely do. And that's come from them following Jesus or being led by somebody else. But to have a culture where we're getting and gathering together around Christ and saying, Jesus, what is your answer here? And it will more than likely be written in the Bible, either in his words or talked, spoken about him. But that again, that our discipleship would be gathered around him as the primary and would say, oh, well, I know for me, Jesus challenged me to do this. And that might be an encouragement to someone like, oh, he's told that. I feel like he's saying that same thing to me. So I'm not saying one or the other, but I feel like there's a, we, we wanna make sure that if, um, we're not just organically letting the wisdom of one flow into another, but we're gathering around the wisdom of God, which is contained in the person of Christ, led by the spirit of God and following him in that. And I know that we are developing healthy relational culture here. And we're not gonna stop what we're doing with that. Healthy relationship is very, very important. I, I believe that we're developing a healthy prayer and prophetic culture and we're not gonna stop doing those things. We wanna hear the voice of God. We wanna be interceding on behalf of the, of the region and the nation. We wanna be doing all of those things. But I think it's, it's important that we establish a strong and intentional discipleship culture where every single person in this community is being discipled and is making disciples. 
And again, it's not just within the community, it's wherever you go, everywhere that you go, there is an opportunity for you to make disciples. And that is the way that Jesus established the church to transform the world, was person to person, household to household. That's how the gospel spread. That's how how cities, regions, nations were transformed. That's how there are billions of Christians today. It was one guy, happened to be the son of God, but still one guy with 12 dudes. One didn't make it, so that's, you know, you gotta weigh that in as well. But that's what it was. And then Jesus told them, he said, don't leave Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit has come upon you in power. So again, it's gotta be Holy Spirit empowered and led, and it's all Him, but, but there's something of, of, you know, of us partnering together in doing that and establishing that. So we're to be centered around the example of Christ, the words of Jesus, and led by the Spirit of Christ. That's real discipleship. It's not just about reading the Bible and then knowing more about Him. It's, it's even in the Great Commission, He says, in teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Teach someone to obey. That's discipleship. It's not just when I teach you something, Anyone can teach you something. You can learn on your own. But it's when to say, and I'm gonna show you how to do that. Or Jesus says to pray for the sick. Oh, how do I do that? Let me show you. That's teaching someone to obey. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, that's a command from Jesus. If you're not making disciples, you're not obeying Jesus. So therefore, you're not being a disciple of Jesus. Because a disciple of Jesus makes disciples. Okay, it's not to condemn you, but hopefully, um, it's not my words either. It's in the Bible, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. They just say, oh man, I'm, I'm actually not discipling anyone. I'm not intentionally pursuing anyone to teach them the ways of Jesus. And they could be a non-Christian, someone that, just that, you're, that you're loving on, someone you're connecting with at work, someone you're inviting over for meals, your neighbor that you're just helping out. You'd, and again, so it's not all about like, gotta get them saved, gotta get them saved. No, I, I gotta be Jesus to them. I gotta live like Jesus would live. And hopefully the opportunity will be created that I get to tell them about Jesus. You know, as I said before, there is a lot of, things happening globally and, and there's good stuff happening. And what I really struggle with, um, you know, with, with the way that the media operates is there's this, just that, this political spirit woven into all of it. And it's like you, you read an article and you go, ah, oh, that's, oh, that's really challenging. And then you read another article, which is the exact opposite of that. And yet both of them seem like, well, which, which one is right and where do I go? And the reality is that the political spirit is, is there to confuse you. It's there to divide you. It's there to create factions and, and division and splits. And the problem is if you're being led by a political spirit, it's not gonna go well for you. And you're not gonna stay connected and committed to God's people or God's intention. You're, you're supposed to be led by the spirit of God. Now, if you see something on the media or something's happening in a global movement, good stuff, you go, Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to do? What's my response to this, Lord? Because you care about these things. You care about, God cares about, God cares about injustice. God, He absolutely cares about it. I mean, you, the, you show me in, in the New Testament stuff that would be like, yeah, no, just, just, just divide and crush. No, he talks about in the kingdom, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free. 
there is, there's no male or female. He's bringing unity and oneness. He is all about the nations. Even the, the tongues of nations that were released at Pentecost was about bringing back in. They talk about because there's the, you know, the, the different languages from, from the Tower of Babylon, all that sort of stuff coming in. There's all of this prophetic imagery. God is the God of the nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnos is the Greek, all ethnicities, all people groups that God calls us to. But if we're being led by what's happening on social media, not being led by the Spirit, the problem is that we can partner in with that Spirit and behind that Spirit, and that's part of these cogs. It's like the cog that I see, it's like, yes, that's good, but what it's connected to in the source is not from God. And so the problem is I come into agreement, but then I get caught up in that swirl and I get brought down and it doesn't produce fruit. But if I see something, a, a, a movement, and, and God's saying, this is it, and I was like, is that the kingdom? He's like, yes, then it's like, then Jesus, what are you doing? What are you about? But again, when we're, not, when we're being led by the Spirit, it means that in this room, you could have one person who's super passionate about a cause and another person on the other side of the room is super passionate about a totally different cause. But the political spirit will say, well, unless you are as passionate about my cause as I'm about my cause, then we can't be together. Rather than saying, that is so awesome that you're all about that. And that, and so awesome that you're all about that. And we're together, yes, and God is gonna change this world and He is gonna eradicate injustice. He is gonna eradicate hate and He's gonna fill the earth with His glory and His love. And it's gonna take every single one of us doing in so many areas, being Jesus to the world and seeing that transformation. And again, it comes in at a personal level to say, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna search my heart, Lord because I don't wanna be a part of, of dividing things, but sometimes we can jump on a good course and it ends up bringing a split because we're not in partnership with the Spirit of Christ. We can become in partnership with other spirits that are happening and it's good stuff and that's what becomes confusing. So you gotta discern, okay, Lord, but what are you saying? I don't wanna be led by any other spirit except for the Holy Spirit, but you better believe that he is moving. But sometimes he'll move you and he'll move someone differently. So I'm gonna move you over here to do this thing. I'm gonna move you over here to do this thing. So, well, what's God doing then? He's doing that with you and he's doing that with you. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna celebrate what God is doing with you. And I hope that you'll celebrate what God is doing with me. I'm gonna celebrate what God is doing over there because it's all God. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. God's desire is that we would become more and more like Jesus and it takes a process, it takes a journey. We will never be perfect, but the Lord, there's, there's, there's a right order that God wants to establish in his kingdom. And there are things that the Lord will say that will never work in my kingdom. Pride will never work in the kingdom of God. It'll just never work because God won't be working with you. That's one of the hugest things. It's like, that scares me. You know, there's a bus, you know, if God is for us, who could be against us? You're like, yeah, which means the opposite of true. If God is against you, who can be for you? And he's very clear in the scriptures as to what happens then when we're in pride. So it means staying low, staying led, staying dependent, take, bringing that basket with you know, one fish and two loaves or whatever it is before Jesus and saying, Jesus, I know you can take 
the little that I have and do amazing things. And you know what? I don't want to become the kind of person that has, it's okay, Jesus, I've got a truckload. You need to feed 5,000? I've got a truckload of bread and fish right here. So no need for a miracle, guys. Got it sorted. I went to Bible college. I spent 10 years on the, on the mission field or, you know, like I've, I, I, I've, I've received a, a, a heavenly anointing, prophetic anointing. So I don't need, I don't need all of that other stuff. I'm equipped. And you will accomplish what you can accomplish. But it's not what God wants to accomplish. Amen? All right. Let me pray for you. I've gone over time because we have a time limit now. <laughs> All right, why don't you stand with me? That wasn't too brutal, was it? No? Oh, that's good. I'll try harder next time. Yeah. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are far more holy than us, Lord. And yet you call us holy and you call us to holiness. So Father, we live always in this tension between who you have created us to be, who you've made us to be, who you've destined us to be, Lord, and the reality of who you are, God, and then the reality of, of what we are experiencing in our life right now. But we just thank you, Jesus, that you don't look down upon us, you don't despise us, Lord, that you are always empowering us by your Spirit. You are always speaking life over us, God, but you also discipline the ones that you love. So Father, we thank you for the firmness of your hand that keeps us safe. That you are not loose-handed with us, God, but you are firm-handed. You, you take a strong grip of us, Lord, when you are leading us through things. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are with us, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us, Jesus. But you are with us in these seasons, Lord. And as you open up the horizons and you show us where you wanna take us, Lord, let us be not focused on the horizon, but to keep our eyes fixed on you and to say, Jesus, I don't care where you send me, I just wanna be with you. I don't care where you send me, I just wanna be like you. I don't care whether I'm well known or who I get to know, I just wanna be known by you and I wanna know you because that is what you'll say to me, Lord, when I stand before you. You'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And to those, Father, who missed it, who even with all of their good intentions, Lord, turned away from you, you'll say, I never knew you. We wanna know you, Jesus, and we wanna be known by you. And God, we know that you'll do amazing and great things with our community and with us, Lord. And Lord, they might not look like what we expect them to look like, but if we are yielded to you, if you are moving and if we are obedient, it will be glorious to you. And that is what is glorious to us, Lord. So we choose again today, Lord, just to say yes to you, Jesus. As you are rebooting things, God, we say yes, Lord, just start up what you wanna start up, God. Let the things just fall aside, God, that are not from you. The things that you were once doing that maybe now you're not doing anymore, we let it go. We just wanna do what you're doing, Lord. We just wanna hear what you're saying. We just wanna be obedient to you, Jesus. And we trust you, Lord, that you will lead us and guide us because you are a good shepherd and we are your sheep. You're a good father and we are your children. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless your family. <clears throat>
Awesome. So please feel free, hang around if you want to. Um, you're welcome to head outside. We're going to open up all the doors and enjoy the grass area. Looking forward to getting everything back up and running, including like coffee and food and all that sort of stuff. But uh, thank you for your understanding and patience as we all uh, journey through this. So love you. Um, Life Hubs will be starting up next term. So we're going to have a break and then we'll get all of that set up, established. So look out for that sort of stuff. But if you're new, please connect in. Please look around for someone you don't know. Loving them, connect with them, meet them. Bless you, love you, bye-bye.